0: This is a space to pull back the curtain on all things entrepreneur. Mindset, wealth building, and business strategy are just a few of the topics we touch on as you focus on building your extraordinary life. Hey, my name is Madison Reeves, and I am passionate about helping entrepreneurs like you through real, tangible, step by step business strategy. I am a young 20 something business owner, and I began my first business four years ago from the floor of my living room of my trailer home. And I've grown my legacy to multiple six figures. I want you to pop in your headphones and get ready to take notes as we challenge your mindset, push you out of your comfort zone, and move the needle forward in your business. This is Project Badass Podcast. Well, welcome back to Project Badass Podcast. My name is Madison Reeves, your host and the author of Project Badass. And I have a very exciting guest today, Azul Terrones. He's actually the person who helped me publish my book and coach me through it. He is an author himself and co-founder of Authors Who Lead. So thank you so much, Azul, for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me, Matt. It's such a pleasure to come full circle.
0: Yeah, I know. I we were just talking before we started recording that probably what a year ago I was on your podcast. Now I'm not on the other side of it. It's interesting to be on this side of things.
1: Right. It's always a different experience too.
0: Absolutely. So, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Tell them what you do, who you are, and what you stand for.
1: Great. Thank you. As you said, my name is Asul. I am the co founder of Authors Who Lead. And Authors Who Lead is dedicated to helping leaders like you write and publish books that people love. And one of our, our missions is to focus on people over paper always. So, we're really a leadership centric organization. So, we help leaders understand how they find their big message kind of get it out of them so they can get it on the page, which is really a big hurdle, as you know, as being an author yourself, and then getting their book out into the world. Our mission is to help a million people be impacted by the books that are written by authors, which is exciting. And you know, one of the things that I continually do with my partner and husband, Steve, in our business is we really help find the places where authors need the most support. Because sometimes it's in the writing, and then it's publishing, and then after that, it's marketing, and then it's in how do I turn this into a talk? How do I monetize this? How do I, can I get a TED talk? These are all things that we try to help authors with once they become authors, because we want them to leverage their authority now that they have a book.
0: Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about how you got into this. I know your backstory a little bit, but I'm sure our listeners most likely don't.
1: I was an educator, a principal, teacher, a professor for 25 years before I started this whole writing gig. I just saw and observed people online making a significant impact while working online. And when you work a traditional job, it just seems so far-fetched <laughs> to start something like that. And I really was eager to learn, and I figured I had to find a mentor. I was looking for someone to reach out to, and my current mentor and mentor since the time that I reached out was is Pat Flynn from the Smart Passive Income blog and podcast, and I loved his what he stood for family, commitment, community, service. And I was like, very valuable things to me. So I attended his one day business breakthrough with his partner and friend, Chris Ducker. And their job was to help you run a like mastermind your business. But I signed up not really looking at the details. I was so excited there was a spot and it was in San Diego, the place I lived. I didn't realize you needed a business before you go. So.
0: Oh. Sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. The intake form said, what's your website? What's your? How do you monetize your business? What's your revenue? What's your list? And I had none of those things. Mm-hmm. So I had about a month before the event. So I was in the process of writing a book. So I wrote a book in the 30 days before the event so that I could show up and say, I wrote a book. And the day before I showed up, I sent it to the editor and I had my 15 minutes in the hot seat. And I basically shared my story about the book I was writing called the art of apprenticeship and how to find a mentor. And that was really how I got started. The crazy thing was, is I thought they were going to boo me off the sort of stage there, but what they did was really blown away by the fact that they were interested more in the fact that I wrote the book in 30 days than anything else. Okay, (laughs) That's how I got here. And so people from that event, they were all six and seven figure entrepreneurs already. I was a zero figure entrepreneur because I hadn't (laughs) done anything. So it was a little intimidating, but what I found out is that the value in my my education and my background as being a teacher and principal that people already trusted that I think. And so they asked me and so people started having me help them write books, including my mentor, the one I was going there to connect with. And I helped him write, will it fly? Which is a wall street journal bestselling book. And that's pretty amazing considering I had not, I didn't have a business idea when I showed up.
0: Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Right. (laughs) place, right time. It kind of sounds like.
1: Yeah. And also not being afraid that I would, I was like, well, I don't know anything, so I can't really mess up. I'm starting at zero. Yeah,
0: I mean, you might as well type of deal. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. That's really how I got started into this. It wasn't, you know, I had been publishing young people's books, so I did know a lot about publishing. I really made it a mission to help every one of my eighth grade students become published authors because I figured if they can get over that hurdle, it wouldn't be something they have to worry about later in life. They could always just say, I'm an author walk into McDonald's or wherever they're trying to get a job and say, I have no experience, but here's my first book. We hire me. Yeah. And that kind of power is what I wanted to give young people. So I had been doing that work, but I just never really worked with adults like that before.
0: Okay. And that's how I discovered you. I actually can't remember the podcast that I heard your story on for the first time. Do you remember which podcast I talked I don't about?
1: know. I can't uh,
0: now I want to that's say it's going to
1: was, rack my uh, brain now. <laughs>
0: because i'm sure you've been a guest on hundreds at this point i think it was the one the lady who focuses on pr and her oh, podcast oh
1: yeah yeah
0: totally blanking i'll i'll link it down in the show notes so people can listen but yeah i had always wanted to write a book i just didn't know how to get there and then i heard your podcast episode with this with this podcast host. And I, I do think that's what got me really interested is when you said you wrote your first book in 30 days. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, okay, I have a couple businesses at this point and I have no time to write a book. So if he can do it in 30 days, I think I can too. And then messaged you on Instagram and one thing led to another about a year later, year and a half later, I had a book.
1: Yeah. It's really crazy because I I do tell that story often in different places and people are always like, wait, how's it possible? And it's not the writing that's hard. You would think it would be. Uh Yes. It is difficult to sit there and put words on a page. You're like, I'd rather do anything else to be honest. Like I have words to write after this. I was like, oh, it feels like agony during the moment, but it's only hour of my life. Right. That's what I tell myself when I go work out too. It's only an hour of my life. I can do this. But the hardest part is what am I writing about? What am I trying to say? What is this really about? And Ironically, that's harder than you think because the moment you go to write it, it comes out different than you think in your head. Mm -hmm. So there's so much work to be done that's in the mind first before you get to words on the page.
0: And that was, I mean, I think I came to you and I said, I have all of these ideas, but I don't even know if they're enough to make one book. And you told me all of these ideas are like 10 books. You need to pick one. (laughs)
1: That's right.
0: Yeah. Changed my world.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to imagine that one little idea could equal a book, but too many ideas equal sort of word soup and it's hard for anyone to know what you mean. So it is a challenge to kind of filter out what a book is and what it isn't. And I tell people, a book is really a message that someone else can carry without you being present. Mm-hmm. And it's more important for people to talk about your book than even read it. And I know that sounds silly, but if they talk about you as an author and they talk about your book as a thing, then it, it's actual, it's real. It's not just something they read and put on their shelf. It's something that impacted them in some way. So they had to talk about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the authors you work with are writing a book because you know either they're already a business owner and they want this book to position them in authority, which was what I wanted to do. Or do you see more authors come to you just because they have a story and they want to get it out?
1: More of the first, more people are like, look, I know this is important that I leverage this book. I don't know what to say. Here's my business. Here's my idea. And really I try to help them understand, don't get too attached to your book, being, being connected to your current business, because you're going to grow and change. And in five years, you might have a different thing, Mm -hmm. but you're going to be the same person and in relative terms, right? We all grow and change, but relative what you stand for, who you are is pretty fixed in your uniqueness. So I try to help people understand that you don't want to write a book about being the Kickstarter queen when in two years from now, you're now the TikTok queen. You don't, you'd rather write a book about some long lasting, enduring principle that you stand for. And that's really what's important in a book. So leveraging your authority comes in multiple ways. And some of it is just being an author. As you know, being an author, people are like, oh, wow. Before they even know what it's about. I tell people I got a TED talk, got invited to do a TED talk. I never even applied because I was an author. Oh, you're an author. Tell me what you write about. Like, like it, it was the instant entryway into a conversation that I had really had no business because I know I have nowhere on my site that I say I'm a speaker or anything like that. That's what I love about authorship. It gives you sort of more advantage over people. And I don't mean it negatively, I mean that you're positioned in a way that lets more people understand that you have something to say worth of value because you spent time writing about it.
0: And I know the success that I've seen from publishing my book and what that's what doors it's opened for me, but what other success stories do you have from other authors you've worked with?
1: Yeah. So one particular author I probably might've shared with you, but I'll share with your listeners is that I had a woman, she had a podcast. She had just started, she had a blog and she had been a content strategist and was leaving corporate to do her sort of private coaching, helping small businesses understand content planning, content Mm -hmm. creation and execution. And Expand Your Reach was the name of that blog and podcast. And that's the book she wanted to write. And of course, I made her map it out like I make everyone. And with a lot of resistance, they have to draw, use colors. And I think that's a little strange at first. But what I discovered with this, with Dana was that her book about Expand Your Reach was just the tip of the surface of what she really cared about. So as she was doing this visual map, one of the images was a bucket with a heart on it. And I remember asking, what's this bucket for? And she says, that's my love bucket. I said, well, not to steal thunder from Miss Tina Turner, but what's love got to do with it? What's a love bucket have to do with content strategy? And she said, look, I, you said just put whatever came to mind, and a bucket came to mind because this is for moms. I said, okay, tell me why moms are important to you. And she says, I think every other mom, pre, quote, mompreneur out there tells women they should sacrifice their sleep and stay up late in between naps and just run themselves ragged to build a business. And I don't think that. I think you should take time away from your kids and work on your business. That's what a A business owners would do, but so many moms feel guilty. I said, Oh, she goes, because people believe that you run out of love and I don't love diapers and boogers every day. And I don't pretend to. And some days I want to go have martinis and talk with my girlfriends about our businesses. And I don't want to feel guilty. And I don't, she goes, dads don't men tend to go play golf or do something with their peers, their work peers, and feel like it's totally worthwhile business sense. Women have a different view sometimes as moms. And I said, that's interesting. She goes, yeah, that's why I don't want to perpetuate what mompreneurs are saying, because I don't believe it. I think moms should be boss moms. I said, boss moms, that's interesting. I never heard that. Uh She's like, yeah. I was like, interesting. She said, you're going to make me do this map over again, aren't you? And I said, well, I'm just curious why Bucket of Love gave you 20 minutes of a conversation when it wasn't even intended to be here. So she did. She remapped the book that was going to be Expand Your Reach with a, the bucket of love in the middle. And she turned that book into Boss Mom, which became the cornerstone of a brand. And she built a multiple six-figure business from that brand. And she has hundreds of thousands of engaged followers and now consults the companies and businesses she used to just admire. So a book can really build into a brand if you allow it to show your uniqueness. Her unique view was you don't need to do work while your kids are napping. You should work like a boss and I thought that's pretty awesome. So those that's an example of how someone used and leveraged the book that we work worked on together to build something specifically on the back of their book. And that really was valuable.
0: That's awesome. Yeah and I've had similar experiences working with your guys's team and everything and whatnot. I mean actually this podcast only came from because of the book and the book that we ended up writing and publishing wasn't even the book that I thought we were going to write from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: True. Yeah. You had so many good ideas for books. So yeah, that was true that this the project Badasses was just a smaller idea, maybe even compared to the other ones, I think, mm-hmm. but I think it had the most interesting legs because you had such, you such are such a badass, and it's like such a part of you that I was like, this is the book I think this, that, that you should focus on. And I, it's been true. I think it's really, I think anybody that meets you, is blown away by you and can't believe one, that your age and two, that you're, what you're accomplishing and what you've achieved in such a short period of time. And that's probably the very word that gets attributed to you when you're not in the room, which is good.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll take it. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly.
0: Absolutely. So, okay, perfect. Can you tell us a little bit about publishing options? Because that was something I also came to you and I said, I've considered self-publishing but that's a lot of work on my plate that I'm not an expert in but I also don't really want to do traditional publishing because I don't want the creative decision making to be taken away from me either mm-hmm. and you had brought up do you, you call it like a you used a word a mashup of those two like a hybrid of traditional and self-publishing and that's what your company does right
1: correct exactly what you're saying is a lot of people I know for me it was true I got stuck not knowing what to write, mainly because I didn't know what was going to happen when I was done writing. I kind of froze, you know? So a lot of people want to know what's my publishing path before they start. Mm -hmm. And to break down publishing in a general sense, the traditional publishing has been down for hundreds of years. And it's usually very, very traditional, like a lot of other traditional bureaucracies. There's very much a certain way in which they want you to write a book and how they vision books. And they're very, take a long time. If, you write a ma- like if your manuscript is ready to go perfect, and then it's another two years before it even sees the shelf. So it's a, you're not just writing it, but you're waiting for the publisher to kind of walk them through. They have lots of books that they're working on. Mm-hmm. They're hedging their bets. And so if you want a traditional publishing deal, that's great. The challenge is the majority of them are not going to see a publisher is not going to entertain your book unless you have an agent. Well, how do you get an agent? Well, that's a whole nother process. You have to right. do a query letter. You have to then once they say, okay, I'm interested in your idea, then you have to write a proposal, which can go 30 to 60 pages. And the majority of that proposal is how are you going to sell this book? Because they're banking on you selling it. They're not going to sell it. They don't have an audience, right? That's why there's a lot involved. So you have to get all those things in place. And if they say yes, and then they start to represent you, then they start pitching to publishers. And yes, they might give you an advance. They might have that in your favor, but you, you're basically becoming a writer for their publishing house so that They can capitalize on you as a creator. And of course, yes, you get some notoriety from your work, but that's a process, right? It's a very involved process. And that was what scared me the most. I was like, oh my God, what if I do all this work? And then no one wants my book. And I wasn't certain. I wanted to commit to that. Self-publishing on the opposite spectrum is great because no cost to entry, meaning you can go on Amazon and publish directly with them if you wanted. They don't charge a fee. They take a percentage of your books when you sell them and you can control within reason, control your content and put it out there Mm -hmm. relatively fast. The problem is you have to then compete with the sea of 2 million books that are being published that year. You have to know how to market it. You have to know what cover design looks like. Where do I find these editors? How many editors? Interior designs. How do I convert it to digital file? Like there's a lot to learn, right? Yeah. Which it's not hard. It's just a lot. That route is great. It's definitely great. It's one of the routes I took when I first started because- I didn't have any extra disposable income. I was a teacher.
0: Yes. So
1: I, I just decided I would give it a shot. Lots of flexibility, but a lot of man hours on the side of the publisher in the individual, the author. Yes. Unless you're planning to publish lots of books, it's. A, I don't know that it's worth all the time. Then secondly, then there's somewhere like us that fall in the middle where we, we basically do the work for the author to make it a beautiful book, the same caliber of designers, editors that traditional publishers use, but that the author is sort of the guiding light. They're the ones saying, this is what I want is my cover. They're really the art director and the guide for the book. And that's a collaborative process. That's how we do it. We like collaboration. We want the book to represent the author. Well, we also want them to know, Hey, based on industry standards, if you do this, you're going to really isolate yourself or we try to provide them help. So as a hybrid publisher or a publisher, uh, independent publisher, we are able to help people get their book out and represented by a publisher and get distribution. So your book will be on more than just Amazon. It can be available in Barnes & Noble or Target or Walmart or all these other sites. They're available international. They can be printed in hard copies, paperbacks. There, there's lots of versions, audiobook if they want it. So there's a lot of opportunities. And because we're publishers, we can then represent them in foreign markets. And, but it's a blend, right? So I think it just depends on what you're looking for and how, how much control and or effort you want to put into your book <laughs> if you yeah. want to learn publishing or not.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was the biggest thing for me is that, and it's something we talk about a lot on this podcast is leverage. And I'm always telling, you know, my coaching clients and stuff to do what you do best and outsource the rest. And that was something that I I really discovered when we were talking publishing options for Project Badasses. I literally have no idea how to do any of the stuff you just told me. <laughs> and I'd much rather, you know, just team up with somebody who is an expert in that part, I can give you the book and I can give you that content, but past that, it's so over my head. And I didn't want to put all this time and effort into a book just for it to fall flat on its face because I don't know anything about self-publishing.
1: Yeah. What's your time worth, right? If you have to do this on a weekend or whenever, how much time would you take away from your business? How many clients could you close or having to learn something that's really a, I wouldn't say low level task, but it's a very, yeah, a task that doesn't require you. And that becomes a difference of what's my time worth versus what, what the leverage I have. Right. So yes, you might have to pay people who help you or kind of learn some, some stuff, but I think you're right. I think leverage, because why not sell six more houses in that time that you could have been learning how to, from YouTube for six hours, how to just put it on to Amazon. Absolutely.
0: Well, and something else too, is that I came, when we signed the publishing contract, I had, I thought it was the full book, but by the (laughs) time that we got to the finish line, I realized what I came to you guys with was only probably about 75% of the book. And even in terms of just content. And then it was finishing up the book rounding. I mean, I think the whole last part of my book didn't even exist right i'm pretty sure i gave to you and i said i don't know how to end this thing
1: (laughs) right and that's the thing is with traditional publishers they have an editor assigned to help you and that's what we have right we have someone say let's talk about this before it's not about just fixing the grammar and punctuation and that's what a lot of people in self-publishing world do they just get it proofread and put it out in the world and it you can tell you can tell a book that was basically just grammatically proofed that's not what editing is that's that's proofreading that's nice but it isn't you know having your cousin who's a Was a teacher five years ago, edit your book isn't exactly what editing is for books. They really have a cadence that they have to follow if you want someone to keep turning the page, if you want to have it help you develop your signature talk. Those things have to be thought about before you fix words. And most self-published authors kind of miss that because they it's an extra step to have to find a a developmental editor before all the other editors that show up. So I think that's really helpful. I mean, it shaped up the book, even the title of the book got shaped up during the final writing pieces.
0: Yeah. Cause we didn't even have a title until probably three or four months before we published. I had no idea what to call the thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. And not again, the brainstorming session about what it could be. You have, it has to resonate with you. Cause if not, you feel like you go on and you start talking about it. You're like, Oh, this is not my book, Yeah, but, but it also authors. It's one of the hardest things to do. Like how to title your book. Some people feel like titles just come to them and others of us were like, I have no idea what my book's called or even what it's about. Like It's overwhelming. Like I wrote this thing. How do I not know what it's about? Well, that's what you need editors to help you get really clear on the messaging mm-hmm. and the title should just roll off your tongue and you should feel like it represents you well. And that's a good part of publishing. That's a part. And that's why collaboration is important because yeah. the author has to carry this forward, right? You have to be able to talk about it again and again and not feel like overwhelmed or maybe discouraged that, oh, I can't believe I wrote this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that was something too is I came to you saying, I want to write my book because I have this goal of being a public speaker. And I had always known that when I get on stage to do, whether it's my TEDx talk or I'm speaking in another opportunity, that my title project badass is something that i'm proud to say and that embodies me which i mean i'm sure you could agree with this and you were saying earlier anybody who knows me personally knows that's like perfect for my personality (laughs) i mean it's a little bit of a you don't always see that on a book every single day but that's that's what makes it perfect for for my brand so i think and you guys were the one who came up with it i heard project badass and i'm like yep that's
1: the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of other titles that were kind of playing around our head that we're trying to, cause you don't want to, you know, you were open to it, but not every author that when we find them can really sink their teeth into like very channel, like let's, let's try to like push the envelope here. Cause you know, one of the early book ideas, which I think is still in you, which the no zero days is a really cool concept, but it wasn't what your book was about. Your, your book was about how you got here. Yeah. The second book, you know, might be about other things, but like so trying to find well, who is she? Like that's what the book should represent. It can't yeah. just be just the title of the book. It had to be so much more. And yeah. you know, the overcoming the ordinary was one. I remember path to extraordinary. We were trying to like play with all these things and we're like, that's still not enough. And then that's I think it so was Steve valid. and I they said, What about Project Badass? <laughs> and that's when we're like, I don't know, maybe she'll like it, but I think that really represented you. And that's because that was just the story of your sort of growth as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. in, the, in the five years from, you know, 15 to 20, which is really what bad ass. So,
0: right. Yeah. And I remember I was actually sitting in the hallway of this hotel in Vegas because I was in Vegas on business with my AirPods in, sitting in this hallway on zoom with you and Steve and we decided on project brown ass. And I'm like, yep, that's it. There's, it has to be. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But I'm glad it comes together. That's, I mean, Steve is really the word wizard. He's the one that finds the words that kind of he's listening for the, he's trying to figure out the author. He's trying to figure out who they represent and that I think that just, it's so brand worthy and so clear. And it's the kind of thing that even if you let go of that sort of vision of the book, in some regards, it will always be a part of your journey. So it doesn't ever have to go away. So that's what we liked about it too. It just represents this notion, especially of people who are wanting to be, they know deep down they are, but they don't know what to do. That's what your book represented. Give them the belief they could do something, even if everything was stacked against them, right? Yeah. And what it would take if they wanted to really become a badass and is more about accepting certain things. Like so the book was really it, it was a reflection of the book, right? And so I thought, yeah, it was such a great, a great moment to see that happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's been crazy, world one <laughs> for sure. I wanted to talk to you about your TEDx speech, because that okay. is super fascinating to me. And I think a lot of people listening to this would be very interested in hearing how you got there. I you know it. Like, stemmed from being an author and then what that's done for your business. I mean, if anybody, it might just be me who thinks it's interesting, but I thought we could
1: talk about. Yeah. Oh, thanks for asking. You know, for a long time, right, for several years, there weren't any TED Talks, right? So Mm -hmm. TEDx Talks weren't available. But so I I was living in Shanghai at the time and I got introduced from another friend who was also an author to the organizer in the Dominican Republic where they had been running TEDx for like seven or eight years. It's well-known and I was a little nervous at first because I was like, can I do it in English? Because I don't think I want to do it in Spanish. That would be really hard for me. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's in English TEDx. T- I was like, okay. But I spoke to the organizer for about 45 minutes. He's like, tell me about this book you have. And I was like, yeah, I told him a little bit. And he's like, well, what else do you do? And I said, well, I kind of have this idea for a book. It's new. And I started telling him about the, for 24 years, I've been asking the same question of kids. What makes a good teacher great? And that i had collected twenty six thousand responses to this question and he thought that was fascinating he goes talk about that great i'll see you there and i was like what do you mean he's like i'll get you a ticket you come we'll take care of everything you just come and talk about that and i said okay and i i really was trying to write the book and i couldn't get it to work so now i was nervous now i had to do a talk about a book i couldn't get to work i wasn't sure <laughs> if it was right I struggled. Honestly, put it off. You know what it feels like to oh, put it off because I can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. So two weeks before I finally started to shape it up and work on it and get the graphics and get it together. And I went to go to practice. I was in the Dominican Republic and they had practice. And I was practicing with my friend and he said, I think you should change some things. Move this around, try this. And I was like, it's tomorrow. Like the rehearsal is tomorrow. Like I'm changing slides, everything. I have to re- memorize this. And the next day was practice. And they tell me it's island time in Dominican Republic. I don't expect to start on time. He said, go about two or three hours late. I was like, two or three hours late? What about, that seems like I'm I'm not that kind of person. I like to show yeah. up early. I went a half hour late, which is as much as I could handle. But I got there and realized that I wasn't going to be on until five or six, even though they said two and what happened is I never got the chance to practice. So I never practiced that TEDx talk until the day I actually had to record it live in front of an audience. Wow. So I was a little nervous. Obviously, yeah. I didn't even get to practice the slide. So I didn't even know like how the clicker works. You know, is the monitor here? Like I didn't know any, like all the technical parts of speaking. And not being a professional speaker, I was like still nervous. But what makes a good teacher great? The topic really was what sparked the interest and the idea of. That I was never a good listener to of students when I was in their classroom, maybe better than some teachers, but I would have spent more time listening to kids. The, the biggest problem in education isn't curriculum or this school or that school. It's that we don't listen to kids. Kids are the solution to all these problems and they're really smart, but we treat them like second-class humans. Right? They don't get to be humans until they leave school. Sort of ridiculous. So anyways, that's what Ted talks about. And so that's how it came about as well. I wasn't trying. I was basically talking about a book idea. That never really came to be. And I'm still working on that book. I'm almost done. (laughs) Ironically, five years later, it still has the hardest book to write, mainly because the TED Talk did very well. There's 3 million views. People Uh have had me speak all over the world about this topic and have Mm -hmm. run conferences based on the topic. So I know that it's an interesting topic for for people and it's an international topic. Everybody goes to school in some way, shape or form. So I know it's the right book to write. So I think that's what's been taking me a while is trying to get the book right. But yeah, that TED Talk was, and it's it's allowed me a lot of leverage. I know a lot of TEDx speakers, but I don't know anyone that's not Brene Brown or someone like that that has more than a few thousand views, sometimes even a hundred thousand is a lot, but to have millions is really quite an honor.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And how has that affected your business going forward? Has it grown your niche in a certain way? Has it helped you make decisions?
1: It's helped me realize the power of a 15 minute conversation and how messages are more important than the words on the page, because it has the ability for people to do things. There's a, a group of teachers, an organization in Lithuania that asks if they can use my idea of great teachers eat apples, which is part of the talk, as the focus for their conference for all their teachers. And they did a whole conference where they give out apples, they made t-shirts. It inspired them to think more about kids. And I was like, this is incredible. Like that's the point of being an author. What I tell people is that becoming an author gave me that leverage and Having that leverage has allowed me to be a speaker and to get more opportunities to speak in other places because it's evidence. Wow. Not only you're an author, but you can speak. Not because they're looking at my ability to be a perfect speaker, but the ability to captivate an audience. So it's helped me get more prestigious clients because they're like, wow, a TEDx speaker with three million views. I'm interested. Because a lot of my clients already have a TEDx, but then they see the views and they're like, oh, wait, that's different. That's a whole other game than my. 50,000 views or whatever. And it's not about numbers. It's just about, I haven't done much to, I haven't promoted that. In fact, I rarely share it maybe five or six times the whole time it's been up. It has its own virality, right? Its own legs. And that's what I use to help people understand. I go, you understand the reason that Ted talk did well is it's the message. I'm not a great speaker. That's what I tell people books. Books are not about how well you write. It's about the message. Yeah. So if you get the message, right. Right you have a better chance of it, people talking about it. And that's how I use it in our business to leverage that. And of course it does help me, you know, any moniker you can get when you're a business owner, you know, author, TEDx speaker, USA Today, Wall Street Journal bestseller, those all give people credibility, like, oh, they're paying attention more. That's kind of how I've used it in the business. I used to coach TEDx speakers. I kind of got overwhelmed by it because people, everybody wanted, I was like, I can't help everyone. You know, I'll do a workshop here and there, but really my whole thing I tell them is you have to really have something to say. It's not, it's called ideas worth spreading for a reason.
0: Absolutely. No. And I think that's something that we've talked about because I would love to be on a TEDx stage someday. I think that would be pretty rad.
1: Yeah. And it's a smaller message than a book. So that's the hardest part. A book is big, has to hold someone's attention for hours, right? A TEDx, you only have 15 minutes if you're lucky right. to get across the message. yeah. And that part has to have the right amount of honesty and like rawness of your personality and something that people have never really considered before, but you noticed that takes a lot of work, but when you do it, then everyone is paying attention to you, you become an instant authority. I've been invited, you know, all over, you know, India, Spain, Australia, just because of that 15 minute talk. Mm-hmm. Right. And that kind of thing is powerful. And it's really, it's rewarding. Like I said, I'm not a speaker. I probably, I shouldn't say that anymore. I, I get paid to speak. So I guess I am a speaker. Just like, <laughs> I can't say I'm I'm an author when I do publish, but yeah, so I'm a speaker, but I wasn't, it was the accidental speaker. I wasn't trying to, but I realized that the more authentic you are, the more people want to hear. It's really interesting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that is something also that you taught me is even before my book was published, it was like, I am an author and having that mindset. So
1: yeah. yeah. That, I mean, that's why I probably have to shift my own mindset about I am a speaker. A speaker. Yeah. I get paid a lot of money to speak. I guess that's what a speaker is, right? Yeah. But the idea of it is I feel very confident on the stage and I feel confident now. having books, multiple books. And as you start to become an author of multiple books, it's just people are looking for people with something to say. It's ironic to think that media, as well as podcasts like this, are looking for people who are authoritative in some way and have an interesting story to tell, mm-hmm. and so a TEDx is a great way to do it. I would definitely say it's worth worthwhile to pursue it. And I know in our community we teach a lot about that. How do well, how do I do it? How does it work? Where do I apply? Where do I have the best chance? And some of that is just understanding how TEDx organizers think, because they're trying to put on the best event possible and sell tickets to it in live, and then have virality of the talk. So they they don't know what they're looking for to be honest. Right. And and sometimes I find ones that they overly try to overly prepare an author or speaker and they crush the life out of it. So I always I tell people avoid the ones that say there's this is what you have to do because I think I this I'm all for coaching. I want people to help them get better, but sometimes I just try to squish it out of them. So I think there's always some places some TEDx organizers are better than others, I think in that regard.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And you're you do you said workshops for TEDx speaking? If anybody's interested.
1: Yeah, I do. So we have a community called the Leader Circle, and it's really it was designed for authors like yourself. Once you become a published author, there's so much more to your leadership now, that's evolved. And there's, it's great to be with other authors and say, so what are you doing? What's right. your lead magnet like? Are you yeah. publishing another book? How are you repurposing your content? How are you getting more reviews? Like. That's necessary. That's the work of an author, right? Mm-hmm. So the leader circle is designed to help people. And one of the things they constantly ask is how do I get a TED talk? So it's one like a workshop I offer for free because people are in that community. How do I relaunch my book or how do I leverage my my media interviews? So we we try to just give value in that community. So that's where the place where I usually teach them is to that community.
0: Okay. Awesome. And is that something, a link I can get from you to put in the show notes? I think I actually have an email from you about it.
1: Yeah, I can drop it here too, but it's relatively new because we were just inviting founding members, people who either worked with us or attended a workshop or was published with us were the first invitees because mm-hmm. we want them to actually inform what they want. That's really why we just invited them, but it'll be open up to other people as well. And it's really yeah. affordable compared to a lot of other programs we run because we realized that people already committed a lot to it. So I will drop it here in the chat, but it's, it's the reason I like it is the access to other badass people who are doing amazing things. And that's actually probably the most valuable thing. It's not just, we do it by application. So we're trying, we're not screening for anything in particular, except for people who really are committed to their, I thought leadership is a weird word, right? I'm not sure how to feel about it, but leadership and dedicated to their idea of getting their message out there. So with that, we've found, we've seen great success and I get to call on my mentors and have them come talk That's awesome. more of a private way, as opposed to just being on my podcast. I was like, why don't we invite them to the community and they can get, people can ask questions and get advice. And th- that's really what the value is in a community over maybe a workshop or a course.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I will definitely drop that below. And I, that's something that I have on my list for the last couple of weeks, since you guys sent me an invitation, I just need to get signed up on it. So
1: <laughs> Awesome.
0: I want to get into some of our final questions here. So as we're just wrapping up the why writing a book for your business or brand, why talks can be beneficial. What is one tactical business strategy or tip that changed the way that you do business and you'd be able to share to somebody today?
1: In any business, the most valuable thing you can acquire is a lead, right? And everyone is hustling for leads, right? And that's, make sense. One of the things that we made a commitment to our team and to the people that work alongside us with Authors Who Lead is our goal is to get help serve so well that every client is and will refer someone else. So our only focus for us has been referrals. Doesn't mean we, we don't have times where we have to market. We don't have times right. where we need to do things like that. But we figured if we built around the reputation and aim for the clients we want, not necessarily even the clients that we might be serving at the moment. If they are the clients we want, great. But if not, then if you want to serve certain clients, then create stuff for them, create things that make high value for them. Like having all of our authors come to San Diego before the pandemic and have a, a retreat or a workshop where they all got to come together. They got to talk about their books. They got, got speakers. That was really valuable to them. And it, But it wouldn't have been very valuable for an entry-level person. Right. Because they're not ready for that, taking that high level information of very successful entrepreneurs. So I think knowing who you want to serve, creating such a business that you become indispensable or as Seth Godin says, be the linchpin. You're like, wow, there might be a lot of people out there doing what we do, but no one is out there like you. And that's the thing I think that sets you apart and that mm-hmm. relying on your uniqueness and unique gift and not being afraid to do maybe even the opposite of what other people are doing has really helped us set us apart. That people talk about us even when we're not in the room and we have no idea and hopefully it's usually good. <laughs> right. But the, the idea is that's one of the things that's differentiated us from the business is that you sort of, everybody feels like once you get introduced or there's an invitation that it's sort of like a community where you're well taken care of. And that I think that's in business. If you can find your niche and how you can serve even someone the same the same genre or same area that others are, you'll stand out. Mm-hmm. And you'll become the one that people want as opposed to the one they could afford. And that's right. different.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's where it gets into being able to price what you're actually worth and mm-hmm. and yeah. not competing and things like that.
1: Right. So telling people what I'm worth when they when I charge for my personal rate, right, they're always like, oh My gosh. I don't take a lot of one on one clients anymore. But when I do, there's even one somebody I I had coached his company for five years. He's like, You charge more than a Manhattan lawyer. And I said, I know, but try to find a Manhattan lawyer, help you do what I do. Right. (laughs) There's a lot of Manhattan lawyers charge that much and they all do much pretty much the same thing, but there's only a few of us, you know, author whisperers who are able to bring out the book of you. Right. And that's the thing is I I had to own that value and it's hard because sometimes you go, Oh, am I really worth this? Or, you know, you get in your own head, but that, that belief keeps you at a premium level and not everyone, you know, you can make a lot of money charging a very, you know, a large volume of small clients, but we chose to serve a certain group of people that, sometimes get underserved because who's going to take care of the elite leaders who feel like they really want to trust somebody. And so we decided we embarked on that idea. So if you're out there wondering, how can I differentiate myself? Sometimes it's just, well, what makes you more unique than someone else? Not better because I don't play the better game, but more unique.
0: Love that. Perfect. So right before we wrap this up, I like to ask every guest what your big why is. And how do you ensure that you are keeping that to the forefront of your mind as you're working through your day-to-day activities and personal life, business operations, and all of that? Yeah.
1: Well, one of the reasons I was searching for something to do online is that I wanted my freedom. I wanted the ability to travel the world and take my laptop. I wanted to impact people as much as I was in a classroom. Uh-huh. you know and that was really hard because after 25 years of being committed to something it was a difficult thing to really see how i could do this differently and my why is i really want to impact the world through the service of others and i feel like helping people spread the message of leadership is important to us you know so why why i do this is because it feels a lot like it used to when i was in the classroom i didn't know then as well as i know now You know, they're, you know, working. I worked, I really worked in middle school the most, high school some, but, you know, someday maybe they would impact the world. They were really, kids were kept in a box. They weren't allowed to do much. Mm -hmm. But when I see a kid do things that would blow my mind, I was like, I want more of this. I want to be a part of that. And so my why is to help continue to be a part of that, be a part of changing the world through other people. I don't have to be the one doing all that changing, but I do want to be a part and I want to leave the legacy behind. And the legacy that I get to leave behind is all these books that I get to back up and hold and go, look, I help. These books wouldn't have existed without me. And that's pretty amazing. So my why is about that commitment to helping the world.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Where can everybody find you? Social media, website, if they want to work with you. What does that look like?
1: Yeah, you can go to authorswholead.com. Okay. That's where all of our programs, that's sort of the hub of everything that we do. And if you want to follow me, I am Azul Taronas which is a, a kind of a messy name. <laughs> Azul is oh, pretty unique, <laughs> which means blue. And Tironis is a very uncommon Spanish name, but I'm the only one. So that's good news. You usually right. <laughs> find Azul Tironis at all social media. Like, like I'm the one, one of the few people that has all their, their name on every social handle because it's the most unique name. So yeah, right. you can find me anywhere from Twitter to Instagram. Those are my some places I really like to be.
0: Okay, awesome. Is there anything else that you want to say before we send them off?
1: I would say that if you've been thinking about writing a book, but you're not sure if you can do it, Or it's starting to keep you up at night, you know, that feeling like, oh, I really think I should. You'll have voices that think they're going to talk you out of it. Maybe other people will talk you out of it. But if you feel called, there's a reason. And I don't always know the reason. Books sort of are birthed within someone. And like Maya Angelou says in her famous quote, there's no greater agony than an untold story inside of you. So if you have a book inside of you, I I challenge you, inspire you to write it. Even if you, only have a simple idea, you don't think it's going to be much. I have a feeling that if you start and embark on it, it could really change your life. It surely has changed mine.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much Azul. It's changed my life completely as well. So I'm excited for everybody to hear about this and maybe it's something that they can do for them too. So awesome. Thank you. You've made it through another episode of Project Badass Podcast. Thank you for spending your time with me this week, and I hope that you were able to take away real tactical tips and strategies to implement into your business and life today. It is tremendously helpful for us if you could click the follow button on whatever platform you're listening to and leave us a rating or review. Our goal is to impact as many as possible. I'll see you next week, and here's to your entrepreneurial success.